there. Uh, learned a lot about the, the diversity of K-pop and uh, Asian music in general. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun to be on your show, and uh, I definitely have some things to go do. I'm going to go watch Ip Man today. I'm going to go do that, uh, and maybe Flashpoint too, if that is the movie that we're thinking of. I will confirm that for you. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we get out of the studio. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you to both of you for coming into my world a little bit. Now, I did originally have a couple extra songs to play for you today, but in the interest of time, I'm just going to end you off with one, and then I promise to bring that last song in with me next week. So if you have any requests for me at all, don't hesitate to send it to me my way, asianwave101 at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts on this week's news, regarding either the content, either the casting of Donnie Yen in the new Star Wars movie, or is it regarding the journalistic integrity, I guess you could say, of writing headlines such as Block B Zico lashing out at his fans or enraged by his fans? What are your thoughts on just the entire situation that he is going through? Send it my way, AsianWave101 at gmail.com. The song that I'm going to play out with is by AOMG's Loco featuring AOMG's Grey and DJ Pumpkin. So this song is called Respect, and it actually... It's all about expressing yourself and just completely, above all, just having the respect for yourself and not caring what other people say. And if you can catch it, there actually is a reference to Aretha Franklin's respect song, that R-E-S-P-E-C-T. So you can actually hear that in the song. And of course, AOMG, as their, as their motto says, follow the movement if you're interested in Korean indie hip-hop. That will do it for this week's Asian Wave 101. Thank you once again to Alex and Scott for joining me. I'm your host, Steve Zhang. Thank you all for tuning in this week's show, and I will see you all next time. Loco with Gray and DJ Pumpkin. Respect to play us out. Peace, everyone. Take care. Uh, 
난 나를 존중해 내가 가진 모든 것들이 소중해 부끄러울 것도 부러울 것도 없어 오로지는 내 방식대로 해 Respect yourself Be proud of yourself Get down with it 주먹을 쥐고서 got a jam-packed show for you. It's going to be exciting stuff. This week, Jake has finally returned from his vacation after last week Andy and I hosted the show. You guys did a, a wonderful job last week. Thank you. Thank you. We, we learned from the best. Well, well yeah, you had the Andy, um, you were here, you gave a review of King Lear uh, that we went and enjoyed. Um, how, and what was the show like? How, how did you guys enjoy uh, taking over for, for the week? I thought that uh, at the start we were definitely a little little nervous, but then we definitely kind of picked up the slack and kept going and going, and we didn't run out of things to talk about, and it just kind of became really natural. I mean, we, I thought it was a really good stepping stone for us. Awesome. Well, uh, this week we've got a few things um, on, on the docket. We're going to hear about oscillations, which is a... Um, a sound event happening, a free event, a sound and visual arts event um, happening this Sunday, and we'll hear more about that soon. We've also got an interview um, with some of the founders of Beach House Theatre, which is an outdoor theatre company in Crescent Beach, down in um, kind of near White Rock, and they are putting on um, the importance of being earnest right now and as well as a children's Robert Munch show called Munch Upon a Time. So those are happening soon. Um, but first up, uh, I guess we've got some ads and, and we'll have some um, an interview soon. Sounds good. Let's get into the show, folks. Oh, my favorite vegetable. Sprouts. 
It's your 75 cent coffee fix in the sub. It's your source for reasonably priced, creatively named stew and vegan brownies. It's your purveyor of bicycle-delivered local produce. It's also a place where volunteers can realize their vision of responsible business and where like-minded students can explore UBC's food systems. Hark! Sprouts is currently accepting applications for next year's executive board and is encouraging ambitious, creative, and disciplined students from all faculties and year levels to apply. Come by Sprouts in the sub-basement to learn more about our projects and how to get involved. I tried to kick the ball, but my tenny flew right up. I'm red as a beat, cause I'm so embarrassed. You need someone to talk to? If you are seeking a listener who is non-judgmental, confidential, and familiar with resources, then a Speakeasy volunteer might be able to help you. AMS Speakeasy is a peer support service located in the North Concourse of the Sub. If you would like to speak to someone, come to the desk and tell a volunteer, or ring the doorbell located behind the desk. Do you like laughing, hilarity, radical thought-provoking creativity, and laughing? UBC Improv is UBC's home for improvisational comedy, theater made up on the spot. Like us on Facebook to learn when our next shows are. Search for us on YouTube for our film sketches. And follow us on Twitter because we want the followers. UBC Improv. Insert cheesy slogan here. Let's get it on. Sugar. Let's get it on. My name is Sahan, the president of UBC Persian Club. And this is Yasaman, the VP admin. UBC Persian Club is a non-profit student organization with the goal of empowering the Iranian community at UBC by acting as a social hub for Iranian students, bringing together diverse members of the community who have a common interest in Iranian culture and nurturing and representing the Iranian community in Vancouver. We have monthly member-exclusive events, Elan, the screen documentary movies, and short films by Iranian directors with English subtitles. Music gatherings is a series of casual music gatherings at which students can play different types of instruments and sports events and game nights. Our regular events are member exclusive and you will receive 25% discount on our annual events. You can visit us at ubcpc.com or email us through info at ubcpc.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We be Jihad for Love, White Water Black Gold, A Red Girl's Guide to Reasoning, East Hastings Pharmacy, Ai Weiwei, Never Sorry, Misrepresentation. Cinema Politica UBC screens politically charged films with speakers and discussions every month. Screenings take place at the Norm Theater in the sub and are by donation. To learn more, visit cinemapolitica.org slash UBC.
You've ate here before. Community Eats is back for the summer. We are your local food co-op. We are your volunteer opportunity. We are your meeting place. We are your nutritious Friday lunch. We are sustainability. We are community. Eats every Friday. Come by with a reusable container, donate, and tell us what community means to you. Friday, 11.30 to 3 p.m. Food, fun, friends. UBC SOS, also known as Students Offering Support, offers exam aid tutorial sessions to all UBC students. All proceeds go towards funding development projects in Latin American countries. Find out when our next tutorial sessions are at ubcsos.com or check out our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash ubcsos. Oscillations is a free public soundscape event coming to Charleston Park this Sunday, August 16th. Oscillations begins with a sound walk at 8 p.m. that brings participants between urban and natural sounds. The walk will be led by acoustic ecologist and composer Jean Rothier. Um, after the walk, the event includes a performance entitled Send and Receive, as well as a display of electronic art installations curated by Locomoto Arts' Laura Lee Coles, um, who is here in studio with us now. Um, Jean Rothier joins us over the phone. Hello. Hello. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much thank for you. having us. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you for coming and talking to us. Um, now, John, I want to start with you. Um, what is a sound ecologist? Well, I don't know. I don't even know if I sometimes if I would define myself as a sound ecologist. But I guess it's some someone who has uh, an awareness of our uh, the soundscape and and maybe uh, cherish this um, this soundscape because it's uh, it's ephemeral. And over the over the years or over the course of you know my Lifetime so far, there's some some sounds that have uh, come and gone that uh, were uh, landmarks uh, that maybe in my youth that uh, no longer exist. So, um, so that's kind of what I'm. Uh, I think consider myself as somebody who wants to uh, to share this uh, this interest and uh, awareness uh, to uh, with other people towards our, uh, our soundscape. 
How do the sounds that we're exposed to in the city affect our relationship to um, to our environment and to each other? Well, uh, this is a very good question. The I think there's there's a, a, a threshold where uh, sounds can come from uh, an intimate place um, to uh, a much broader uh, context where it's uh, it's not intimate and it's kind of overwhelming at times and uh, and the, the sound walk uh, exercise kind of thing that that I do and that I propose during uh, oscillations is is uh, to uh, to try and put all those sounds on on the table and bring them back a little bit to to an evil even keel and um, and allow us to uh, to listen to all sounds uh, from uh, from a, 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 the same perspective, and uh, and try and give uh, give room for uh, all all sounds and and their uh, musical musicality and musical content and uh, intimacy and uh, and all the the, the charged uh, elements that, that we can sometimes associate with with sounds and and let all the the uh, the events that can take place during uh, the course of a sound walk uh, come. Come and, and um, experience as a group. Experience it in uh, in an open fashion, and not come with uh, preconceived ideas about what's a good sound or a bad sound. Now, I, I'll talk a little bit about the sound walk in a little bit, but I want to um, get Laura in here as well. Now, yeah. the, the sound walk, the curation that you've put together, you've co you've co curated this event. Um, where do you find that sound and visuals intersect? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that this is in response to the uh, International Symposium of Electronic Art, and the theme for the symposium this year was disruption. And in my research work, which is working in uh, with artists, digital artists in natural setting, uh, Georgia and I thought there was a, a great opportunity for us to share that, that moment of oscillation, the electronic world with the physical nature world. So we responded and we, we got accepted into the conference and we feel that this encompasses not just the electronics and the art but also the sense of place. It's in a park, it's a dog park. Mm -hmm. um, space and place have a lot of meanings. There's a lot of multiple trajectories. So to answer your questions, uh, we decided that to have a multiple group of ambient sound artists in combination with performance and visual installation which is projected installation video. Um, we thought it was a good mixture because those works oscillate amongst themselves as well as within the space that we're in which is Charleston Park which is a lovely park. I don't know if anyone is you know knows it but uh, it, it's got a stream and a waterfall and all kinds of uh, architects like natural forest areas. Yeah, and it, it has a beautiful scene of the city across the water. In the False Creek area. In the False yeah. Creek area. It's a actually at 999 Charleston Road. Now, um, speaking about sounds and, and cities and what we hear, um, Jean, are there sounds that we we either should hear in cities and, and perhaps don't anymore? You mentioned there were sounds that you grew up with. Or are there sounds that, are there sounds that we should and, and shouldn't hear in our lives in the cities? Uh, well, probably not. I'm, I'm quite the, uh, the the welcoming uh, listener, so I, I think all sounds are welcome, whether they're the sound of a chirping bird on a 
Quiet Sunday Morning or the uh, majestic sound of Harley Davidson's roaring down Water Street in Gastown, where I lived for many years. I think uh, I, I, I enjoy both of those kinds of uh, sounds. I like the dynamic aspect, and, and that's what you get in, in, in an urban setting. I mean, Charleston Park is a lovely urban park. Uh, you know, we'll be hearing uh, float planes and uh, sirens uh, roaring during uh, an incredible uh, evening of, of uh, performances, of installation. And I think that's what uh, I like about uh, most locations. There's, there's always a dynamic going on, whether you're in a, you know, a, a forest setting where actually at night or in the morning it gets very busy with, uh, with, with birds and, and insects at night and stuff where there's a lot of activity um, so in a way, the, the, the Charleston Park is is a, a very great location because it has a very serene aspect within an urban setting, and it's a location like like Laura said, it's just a little west of uh, of Canby Street, uh, the Canby Street Bridge along the seawall. So it has a very nice uh, perspective, uh, sonically speaking, because there's there's the aspect of the distant sounds from across Falls Creek, and then uh, there's the elements of in the park, the people that are there. Like Laura said, it's a very well um, visited uh, park because it's got an off-leash area, so there's lots of activity there, and there's a playground, and so it's uh, it's very dynamic. And I think the the installation and the performances will be taking place. Uh, to make it clear, this is not like the folk fest, the jazz fest. It's not mm-hmm. like a concert in the park. The uh, interventions are much more subtle and and on the threshold, I guess, oscillating between uh, something that will be recognizable as as a as a you know intervention with something that maybe uh, could be believed to be n- natural. Even though I would uh, suggest to say that all the uh, all the sounds that will be heard will be natural because I, I don't come from another planet whether I'm you know playing uh, an electric guitar in the park it's a, it's a natural sound too I would uh, I would like to put that out there so I don't think there's any sound that are, we should or shouldn't hear in the park I don't know if you're hearing there's definitely the sound of a blower next to next to me right now and uh, I don't know if it's a sound that we should hear but we definitely hear it uh, regularly in my neighborhood. And Laura, I want to give you a chance. Well, to I want to also say that when you think of the word disruption, automatically you think that, you know, to throw something in disarray. But I think that how this group of artists have responded uh, to the curation is that it's actually, there's a positive aspect to disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, they, that it can initiate change and, and that you don't look at the typical way of doing things. And it's not typical for a soundscape composer to present their work outdoors. They may uh, record the ecological soundscape, but they usually go into the studio and then present it in a gallery or a theater or a a concert hall. So Mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity for people to see a new and innovative way of expressing ambient sound. And, um, you know, we're really excited because we have artists like Joda Clement, Giorgio Magnanensi, who was uh, my curator, Merlin Chipman with Jeremy Inkle, who... A lot of people know Inkle from, you know, Frontline Assembly, but he's coming in and kind of going a little bit sideways, sub-center of his normal thrash, industrial thrash sound, and he's going to be doing an ambient uh, piece. And uh, Merlin Shipman can probably speak 
you know, best to that. And we've brought him here today. Well, perhaps what we'll do, um, just be, we're, we're crowded in the studio, perhaps we'll hear a little bit of Giorgio Megamensi's music. Yes, uh, I just want to say that Giorgio's piece for the evening, uh, he's going to be expressing movements and images that are scanned to, d- to depic- depict the <laughs> patterns of frequency, amplitude over a variable time frame. And he's using the sonification patches uh, with a custom-made Max MSP jitter program, and he'll map the data and play it on the human movement and he'll get a sonic translation. So um, here's a a sample of some of Giorgio's uh, composition. That is a little bit of music from Giorgio Magnamese, who is one of the co-creators of the Oscillation Sound event happening this Sunday. Um, now, Merlin, we're here with Merlin, who is one of the artists with Locomoto Art, who is um, performing uh, or creating a video installation, um, collaborating with Jeremy Ingle. Now, uh, what can you tell us about that? Uh, well, I'm a video feedback artist, so I've been making video feedback in Vancouver for about 15 years. Um, Video feedback is the process that happens when you point a video camera at a television set. Um, It's all of the images that are created that are based off of the logarithmic spiral, which is um, kind of a fundamental shape. Uh, Fractals and sacred geometry are words that 
been thrown around a lot in the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, they're in there. Um, I'm going to be employing some software that um, my friend uh, Rob Sharon and I have been developing called Metamirs, uh, which is essentially uh, a digital kaleidoscope software uh, that will be augmenting the uh, the analog video feedback that I'm making. Uh, I'll be doing video. Uh, Jeremy will be doing uh, be doing an audio soundscape, and the uh, the theme of the audio is uh, is also feedback. He'll be sampling um, the sounds of the park and then feeding them back on themselves uh, acoustically uh, with analog and digital hardware. And and will that be a live soundscape? Uh, it will be sampled. Uh, there will likely be live elements. Um, but uh, uh, Jeremy and I have decided also to uh, make a last-minute change uh, to uh, augment our uh, our artistic representation. The theme being um, being disruption. We thought that it would be appropriate uh, to um, collect some uh, canine testicles that were donated from the SPCA uh, quite graciously. Uh, we felt that um, it was really impossible to represent. Uh, the theme of disruption as artists uh, in this dog park, uh, and having feel feeling very uh, disempowered in Vancouver as artists, uh, finding it difficult to pay rent, uh, to find places to perform, constantly getting shut down, uh, we decided to uh, to employ a large collection of dog testicles um, in the dog park as part of our performance art. So. There'll be lots of dog testicles. All right. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that's a promise. Now, uh, Oscillations is taking place in a dog park. Um, Laura, wh- what can you just, uh, what can people expect when they when they come out this Sunday? Well, uh, if they come for the early sound walk at, at 8 o'clock, they'll have a wonderful one-hour silent walk of listening to urban and natural sounds around the Charleston Park area. Then at 9 o'clock, Prophecy, Sun, and Mireille Rosner are doing this fabulous performance, Send and Receive. Uh, that's not to be missed. There's other performances afterwards. At 9.30, there's, like I said, 19 installations, a performance with Sammy Chen and several dancers that are working with him. That's going to be exciting. It's about the forest spirits. Um, there's all kinds of ambient sound pieces and, and visual pieces. Shebna Mazpata, Rob Shryan, myself, Wynn Palmer, uh, the list goes on. Great. And, and uh, uh, we do need we do need volunteers, so just show up at four PM at Charleston Park if you're interested. And should they email um, no, just show up at four PM at Charleston Park. Shout out to Redgate. Keep the doors open, keep it real. Shout out to Andrew Singh. All right. Now, um, next week on the program, we are going to have um, a conversation with Jeff Berner. Uh, Jeff Berner is a um, accordion player. He's also written a couple of books, including Festival Man and um, and a guide to playing the accordion. He's going to be here talking about a uh, a new book called "We're Going to Bremen to Become Musicians," and this is a new song that he's released uh, in light of the federal election, and it is called "Probably NDP." Canada goose weighs uncertainly Up in the branches of a maple tree Falls to the ground and gets strangled By a conservative MP 
Now I'm an artist, so I only speak in metaphor. But just this once, I'm gonna tell you what my metaphor is for. This metaphor is for telling you we should probably vote NDP. I think that we should probably just vote NDP this time. October 19, which is election day, or in the advance polls, I guess. I think that we should probably just vote NDP this time. Don't forget to bring some picture ID and a couple of proofs of address. They ever put me in charge of this country I'd abolish all private property Imprison Ted Rogers and the Urban Family And nationalize all the banks and Then I guess I'd get a little whiskey and hunger Deep down in the defense Joni Mitchell's blue as I await the arrival of the American tanks. So I don't fool myself, I know Thomas Mulcahy sure ain't no revolutionary. If you think he's gonna fix everything, he's gonna leave you in the lurch. Festival in Crescent Beach, founded in 2012 by Candace Radcliffe and Rick Harmon. Both dedicated to theater and education, they have over 40 years of combined teaching experience at Earl Marriott Secondary. This year, Beach House Theater is presenting two plays, Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest, as well as a children's play, Munch Upon a Time, which adapts five familiar Robert Munch stories and will be directed by Courtney Shields. Yesterday, I sat down with Rick, Candice, and Courtney to talk about the plays. Well, I'm Rick Harmon. I am the Associate Artistic Director and one of the two directors on The Importance of Being Earnest. I'm Candice Radcliffe, and I'm the Artistic Director of Beach House Theatre, and I'm also the Director of The Importance of Being Earnest. I'm Courtney Shields, and I'm the Director of Munch Upon a Time. 
So Beach House started in 2012, and the first play was Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, what, what's the origin of, of Beach House Theatre? Uh, the origin of Beach House Theatre was just a, like kind of a small, silly idea to <laughs> put, put a little play. show up on the beach <laughs> and have people sit on blankets and like watch a Midsummer Night's Dream on the beach. And yeah. Actually, the first fun. setting was going to be the hill. Right. The hillside behind us was, was kind of what we had in mind. And then just through negotiations with the city, that wasn't going to work out. So then we kind of moved to this parking lot, and um, it just it just grew from like a small little, maybe we could put on a play one year. To you bring your own chairs, you know, your own <laughs> chairs. Yeah, we have, um, once I kind of approached Rick about it, he liked the idea, we went to our friend Jeff, and... He didn't think it was crazy, and he's a long-time press teacher too, so um, with us and with another friend of ours at the uh, time, Nicole Chartrand, she was the designer that we asked to come and design the set, um, and then it just kind of grew because there were so many people that seemed to want to try it, make it happen, and now it's it's already year four, and we're kind of still, I think, I don't know about you, Rick, but I'm still shaking my head going... The first few years uh, you started with Shakespeare plays, did you always intend to branch out? Yes, we, we started with the idea of doing three Shakespeare plays because we thought it would attract people and uh, um, we also thought A Midsummer Night's Dream was probably the most accessible play for an audience. And uh, but we always had the idea that we would move to other classics and other plays and possibly a musical in the future. But we, we had definitely had the idea of three Shakespeare to start with. Uh, and how did Munch get into the picture? Well, um, it's funny because when you sort of I guess when we came up with the idea, we really were just like, could this work for one year? In the back of your mind, you sort of have a five-year plan. Um, if it works and we keep going, then uh, what was really important to us was to bring in a theater for young audiences component so that there's kind of an outreach to new, new theater goers and sort of tying in a bit of an educational component as well. Um, and so when we were looking, when we were ready in the second year to bring in a, a morning show, um, Rick knew about these fabulous Munch adaptations that Debbie Patterson was writing. And so, yeah, we just went for it. And it was so successful that we've, we've now done, done three. Mm-hmm. Um, at Chimena's Theatre on the island, they have uh, children's theatre in the morning and uh, their main show in the evening. And it, it seemed to work really we thought, we've got this beautiful tent, this beautiful setting, and it's empty for the morning. It would be great to have something that we could invite young people to. Luckily, we found Courtney, who's been a driving force for all three of the the month shows. I've been lucky. And this is your first year directing? This is my first year directing in the previous two shows I was in it. What's the transition like? Um, it was not as, like, shocking as I thought it would be because we've always been very collaborative 
when we were doing the shows in the past with the other directors that we've worked with. So when you're in it, you're, you know, participating in the process and we're all sharing ideas. So really, I just had to sit on the other side and sort of, you know, let the cast play and shape it along the way and kind of, you know, definitely come on the first day with some ideas and then we just worked on it together. It was really, really fun. Why do you think that, um, that audiences respond so well to Robert Munch? Well, he's a classic. We all, you know, I... So many of us grew up reading them or are still, you know, the young kids, like they're probably reading him at home or they're, I'm sure they're animated features and he's just a real Canadian staple. So I really like the idea of having these core stories that people know or kind of remember and then having three actors bring them all to life. I think it's a really good formula that Debbie's come up with. Uh, where did the much scripts come from? Um, the playwright... Uh, adapted, like adapts the stories and she fills in sort of the, the, the trio characters. It's always a trio of actors and her name is Debbie Patterson. She's done, gosh, how many? About six or seven, I would say. She's got quite a, yeah. a number of them now. Is that, she's with the Prairie Theatre Exchange? Yes. Yeah. And I guess she hasn't been out or anything to see them. No, she hasn't, but she did email me. Uh, we've been emailing about the music because she, she wrote the tracks for the Paper Bag Princess songs, obviously those aren't in the book, she wrote those herself and uh, composed the music as well, so I was emailing her back and forth being like, oh, like, can we get the tracks for this? And yeah, she was really, really generous and just like, here, take everything, have it. So. And uh, which stories are, are involved in this year's uh, March uh, of This year, the selection is David's Father, uh, Give Me Back My Dad, The Fire Station, it's my room and the paper bag princess, which was really exciting to get to do. Uh, so the theater, it's an outdoor theater, um, undercover, and so there's lots of unexpected elements. With the kids' show, the kids are an unexpected element. Definitely. We're never really sure what they're going to do or what they're going to say. They always laugh at the thing we're not expecting them to laugh at, which is really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and the importance of being earnest is... I think 105 years old this year. Um, tell us about that decision. Well, I think I think actually it was first performed 120 years ago, 1895. I know. Uh, what do we tell you about the play itself or our production? Choosing our Choosing. That's a big question, Jake. Well, we were, you know what, we were a bit nervous when we came off of Shakespeare because we knew we wanted to do all this Shakespeare and then you kind of go, oh, okay, everyone's waiting for us to pick something new, um, but we still really wanted it to be a classic and we both wanted it to be a comedy. We examined a few other things that were sort of light and lovely, but in the end we just felt like Ernest was the right choice. I mean, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna come off of Shakespeare's comedies, probably Oscar Wilde is your next go-to guy, and we are so happy with. with it's this a perfect piece. Uh, play for a, a warm summer evening, and uh, just the com the comedy uh, is so, it's so witty. A lot of it you're smiling through and giggling at, and there are a few big laughs, I think, but it's just. I think it's a perfect summer's play. Yeah. And tell us about the script, uh, the particular version that you're, uh, the particular script. That you 
Right. So we're we're super excited and about that too. We um, there's a lot of people have adapted or edited Oscar Wilde's version. Original version was actually four acts. Most people adapted into three. Um, and a an a old friend of mine is Dr. Errol Durbach, who was a longtime head of the UBC theater department, and he actually came to see the Munch Show last year um, with his grandchildren. And he and I were chatting after the show, and I was saying that we're trying to select a piece, and he very generously said that I could give him a call and we could run some things by him. And in the course of that conversation, I had said, well, Rick and I are considering Ernest, and I didn't know that he had created this particular adaptation for UBC Theatre in the 90s. And um, he was, as I say, so excited and so generous and said, I want, you know, you're more than welcome to use my adaptation, and... He's kind of been a, a consultant for us all the way through. And we just really liked what he did with it too. Like he he edited out some of the some of the stuff that would be hard for a modern audience to get in terms of humor. Um, he kept elements of the fourth act and kept made it into three. Um, we think the pace is really good in his piece. He's kept kind of an interesting character that's not usually in the the play. Um, he's added a little twist at the end, which we love. And yeah, it, it's just a it's just a kind of an effervescent script version. So we've we've been loving it. Uh, a lot of the oh, well for Beach House Theatre since two thousand and twelve, a lot of the actors have been um, past students of yours, and a lot of young um, up and coming actors from the Lower Mainland. Um, are, is part of the design for Beach House to have a platform like a jumping off point for young actors? Yes, that, 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 uh, that was one of the, the things when we were we started talking about Beach House. We there are so many talented students in the local programs, and we're at UBC or at Douglas or at CAP, and uh, it's just another place for them to continue their development. And uh, we're excited to offer it. To them, and uh, and we've had well attended auditions, and uh, we found some real gems uh, to work with. Well, what's it like to see past students um, on stage here and elsewhere? I love it. I mean, I don't think there's anything more kind of gratifying, and um, it 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 brings a, a huge an immense pride, I think, for us to see some of the students that we worked with who've gone on to training, or maybe they maybe they didn't, but they've kept it in their lives in community theater or other ways. And um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I we're just I just feel so lucky that pretty much everybody we've called to say come and check this out has gotten involved, and they've all done such a good job. You mentioned that. The current version of the script sort of uh, is a little bit more catered to a modern audience. What, um, how, where is it relevant to a modern audience? The importance of meters. What kind of parallels will you see that will relate to? Well, I think everybody is uh, sometimes wants to get away from the humdrum or the uh, the uh, uh, daily life that they have and there's a, a beautiful fantasy side to to uh, to the play where they these two two guys actually do it and strike out and 
AI. It's a big, well, maybe a, a fantasy is, is a better way of putting it that they create. But uh, I think modern audiences can 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 feel the same thing and can and uh, uh, experience the same thing, even though it's over a hundred years between times. But I know, for me, I love I love that period of history. We we see it a lot in in movies and uh, in, in television and and. It, but it's it's just the universal things that uh, Oscar Wilde has to say we can all identify with. Mm -hmm. Totally, it's kind of um, it's kind of this great examination of these characters struggling with what's expected of them and what they really want to do and what they really want to be, and, and you know, and he just so brilliantly satirizes his own society and the expectations that were upon those upper classes. And, and yeah, I, for me, that's the biggest theme of the play, is this kind of escapism. Because it's not only the two um, leading male characters, it's, it's every single character in the play has a secret and a secret desire. And some of them are kind of acting out on them, and some of them are keeping them a little bit more hidden, but... And some you don't find till, out until the last and minute. And some you don't find out until the last minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the characters are also really universal. Like, you know, yeah. everyone has that friend that's very extravagant, or, you know, the Lady Bracknell, the overbearing relative, or, you know, the young women, and, you know, their romantic sort of fantasies, they have them too. And so I think it's like you recognize these characters, and you see them in other things, and it's just Oscar Wilde just really sums them up really perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for telling us about it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Jake. You. The importance of being earnest runs until... Welcome back to the Arts Report on 101.9 FM CITR. We hope you've been enjoying today's show. You are joining us live in studio with myself, Jacob, Jake, who's back, and Andy. There, That's not all. That's not all. That's not all. Hi, everybody. I'm Nathan, and I am a new member of the Arts Report, and I'm glad to be in studio today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. My pleasure to be here. Welcome. And so next week, you're even going to be doing some reporting on us. So we will be or for us. So we will be looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing whatever I cover at the Vancouver Queer Film Festival that is happening for 11 days, I believe. 11 days from starting Thursday. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Okay. I think they have a gala event starting tomorrow and, it, and it's running for a while. Um, we just heard an interview that I did yesterday at uh, Beach House Theatre, and that was with uh, Candice Radcliffe and, and Rick Harmon, who uh, founded Beach House Theatre. They're running The Importance of Being Earnest right now, as well as Munch Upon a Time, which is a children's munch festival. So Robert Munch performance. So um, check that out if you're in White Rock. I got to see both shows, and they were a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Um, speaking of events... Andy, you've you've put something together for us. I have. <laughs> I've made my my second arts calendar. I am so excited about these every single time. I like they're they're my favorite PSAs on the whole station. I, think. I couldn't make one last week because I had too much things, too many things to worry about. Me and Jacob, we were uh, hosting the show, so we had to put together an hour worth of material yeah. for the, all the fans around the world. But this week, it's uh, it's back for the second time. And uh, I think it's about time we give the people a bit of a taste. 
So here's Andy's second PSA. Your weekly arts calendar from August the 12th to the 18th. Tomorrow with Eisenstein in Guanajuato at both the Vancouver Playhouse and International Village, the Queer Film Festival kicks off. Celebrating the best in independent queer cinema, the Vancouver Queer Film Festival is the largest queer arts event in Western Canada. The festival hosts a large variety of performances, workshops, panels, parties, and more, facilitating a unique community space for 11 days each August. Including this one. Mark August 16th on the calendar because that's a Latin summer fest at the Trout Lake Park on Victoria and 15th. The Latin Summerfest is a one-day outdoor event in Vancouver each August that celebrates Latin culture with spirit, arts, and food. They recommend you take the SkyTrain. Also on August 16th, but at Charleston Park, Vancouver's Locomoto Art Collective is presenting an evening of nature and technology through sound and visual performances, 3D graphics, ambient sound environments, and more. A few Locomoto art artists include Sammy Chen, Laura Lee Coles, Merlin Chipman, with special guest artists Mireille Rosner and Prophecy Sun. Celebrating one of American cinema's richest and most creative periods in all of its stylish and cynical glory is the Film Noir Festival at the Cinematheque, which continues today to the end of August and into the 2nd and 3rd of September. This year's noir season features 12 hard-boiled classics from noir's mid-century heyday, plus two small sidebars, the psycho-western and the paranoid conspiracy thriller of the 1970s, spotlighting noir's surprisingly wide reach and lurid legacy. From now until the end of August, that hot art wet city on Main Street is Now and Then, which features new work from local lowbrow artists who got their start before the turn of the century. Jim Cummins, Kenny Gerbert, Mark Pylon, Nicole Steen, Vicky M., Andrea Tucker, and Holly Ruth Anderson. These artists laid the groundwork for today's young Vancouver artists working with illustrative, humorous, and populist styles. Part history lesson, part celebration, this show reminds us that contemporary pop surrealist art has deep roots in our city. That was awesome. Thank you. Two out of two. You're two just out of two. knocking them out of the park. I think that was brilliant. You need to make one, Jacob. Yeah, I'll I'll have something. I'll have I'll cook something up. Yeah. Not next week, but eventually. Eventually, soon, soon. yes. Within the next couple of weeks. Now, just um, we've got two other shows that I want to tell people about. One is tonight, and I'm actually heading there after this show. You guys are welcome to come if you want to come. But at um, at Fox Cinema, uh, the Syrup Trap humor magazine that grew out of UBC is having their official um, publication launch. They are now a physical magazine. Print. And they're in print. Wow, okay. We're going back. It's like the opposite of, of The Onion, which I think went out of print. Not The Onion, The AV Club went out of print, right? Um, I think the... Well, did the AV Club have a physical magazine? They used to have a physical magazine. And they're the music the version music, Yeah, they're like department? a serious like, criticism website, or part of the, the Onion. Part of the Onion Network, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, yeah. You know, I think I, I'm really looking forward to it. There's going to be comedy, $10, uh, Doors at 7, probably will start sometime after 7. There's free pizza, and everyone... Oh, free pizza, that's essential. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why they're with the ten dollar admission. <laughs> but you got a copy of the magazine, and there it it now comes with Geist magazine inside of Geist magazine. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, 